0: lost or whatever let's just let's just leave that one there right the world experienced all sorts of things like ebola right and and numerous terrorist attacks we experienced things like the chewbacca lady right some of you are like what get on social media she's all over the place we experienced the flipping of water bottles—like, who would have known that would become such a cool thing? Right? When we when we went to um, Kenya this past year, our students sat around with a bunch of Kenyans and we're teaching them how to flip water bottles. Like, it was crazy. Um, Pokemon Go, yes, that's actually a thing, it, or I don't know if it still is, but it was a phenomenon. Right? We sadly saw so many different cultural icons, like David Bowie, Muhammad Ali, Carrie Fisher. And then the day after her, uh, her mother also passing away. And now it's only expected after any year, but even specifically after 2006, like a year that we just had. For all of us to exclaim emphatically with optimism that this next year, this next year is going to be different, right? We're going To change. I'm going to change. Maybe a lot of you made some New Year's resolutions. Hopefully, you've not broken them already, right? You're saying, This year, I want this year to be different. I want this year to be better. I don't want this year to be like last year. Let's strive for something different. So, insert New Year's resolutions. The idea of wanting things to be better, wanting to improve oneself by many. Different measurements is not only expected, but it is very healthy and it's encouraged, right? Can you imagine someone saying, man, I hope this year, I hope this year's is just worse than last year. You know, last year just, just didn't quite do it for me. This year, I hope it's worse. Or what if someone says, you know, I hope this year, I hope my health i hope it just takes a turn for the worse you know what this year i am pledging to eat fast food every day and i just hope that my health just you know just degrades even more or my you know my financial situation i really hope this year i'm going to get some some more credit cards and i'm just going to rack up credit card debt or what if someone said you know i hope i hope this year Habits, I'm going to pick up a bad habit. You know what, smoking? Uh, yeah, let's, let's try that one. Gambling, some other addiction? Yeah, l- let's, let's try that one. If we actually heard someone say that, we would look at them and say, something is seriously wrong with you. But instead, we hear the exact opposite, don't we? At the turn of the new year, we hope to create new habits that lead to better physical and better physical health and a better financial situation hope to kick bad habits and create new good habits and that the core of every New Year's resolution is what we're all hoping for something better Albert Einstein is commonly accredited to we don't know if it's actually him or some other people but he's often accredited for saying the definition of insanity Is doing the same thing in the same way and expecting different results. In other words, what he's saying here is if if you want different results. Then something has to be done differently. If you were to live this year just like you lived last year. Nothing's going to improve. You're going to get the exact same results. And because we're all hoping that the future is better. It's better than the past then something has to change in our lives otherwise we'll experience the exact same result however I believe Mark Twain speaks for most of us when he said I'm in favor of progress it's change that I don't like isn't it true that we all want we all want things to be better And if we're all honest with ourselves, most of us wish progress could happen. We wish that we could get in a better financial um, situation. We wish our health would improve. But we don't really like changing anything that would need to happen for those things to progress. According to a Nielsen survey, nearly 70% of Americans, of those who make New Year's resolutions, make one that is related to health. Most common being getting in shape and losing weight. So there's not very many of us that would say, we don't want to improve our health. Yet there aren't as many of us that, want, that would like to say, I want to start working out. I want to change my eating habits. See, we want the change. We want the outcome. But the very few of us desire to deal with the change that has to take place in order for progress to be obtained in our life. And the reason is that change is often hard. Change is uncomfortable and can even at times be scary. And it's not often that we experience change and not experience at least one of these at some level. See, change isn't something that people wake up and and say, you know, I'm going to go out and look for change. Change. It's commonplace to say that we're creatures of habit. And so to change is almost outside of ourselves. Just think about some of your routines. You do the same thing every day because that's your routine and it's comfortable. Some of you in here are sitting in the same seat that you sit in every week because it's comfortable. When someone parks in your parking spot, you say, "Mm, that's my spot. I don't want to have to park in the one right next to it. It just feels different. It's change. And we all do that to some degree. I do it every morning. I park in the exact same parking spot if it's available when I come into work. For some reason, it's just like, yes, that's my spot. I'm going to park there. You probably do that when you go to work as well, right? You go to work and you think, I always park there. I don't want to have to change. We like our routine. We like doing things the same way. Now, sometimes we can control change. However, other times, we're the recipients of change. We can't control it. Fashion changes. Some of y'all need to catch up. Technology changes. Some of y'all need to catch up. But change can also be more on a personal basis, too, right? Just ask a teenager. Many of us can remember, or maybe even you try to block out those years when you were a young teenager. And you had so many physical, so many emotional, so many spiritual, so many relational changes going on in your life. It's no wonder that we refer to the teenage years as some of the hardest years growing up because there's so much change going on in your life. Or ask a parent. Ask a parent whose youngest child has just recently gone off to college and they're having to deal with the change of now being empty nesters. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. We all want progress. Every teenager wants to grow up to be an adult. Every parent is hoping one day that child will finally leave the house. But we wish it came without some of the effects of change, don't we? See, we experience change in so many different ways in our life. But I believe one of the areas we fail to acknowledge it more is how change comes to our spiritual life. If we were to stop pretending for a moment, I believe most of us would say, if not all of us, I want salvation without having to, ch- without having to change much of anything in my life. I want my sins forgiven, but I don't want to have to change my priorities. I don't want to have to change how I live my life, how I spend my money, how I raise my kids or what's important to me. I want salvation without change. And as I say that, many of us, including myself, can take offense to that and say, no, uh, not me. But if that was true, then why haven't we changed more? Believers are known for saying things like, you don't have to fix anything about yourself. Jesus accepts you just the way you are. Just come as you are. And that's true in coming to Christ. But to think that Jesus would leave us where we are when he finds us and not bring us to a better is a gross misunderstanding of the gospel. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't leave us where he finds us? Aren't you glad he doesn't find us struggling in our pride and leave us there, but instead humbles us in the gospel? Aren't you glad that he doesn't find us with our hearts filled with hate, and instead he takes that hate, teaches us to forgive, and then fills our heart with love? He finds us lost but doesn't leave us there. Instead, we're found. He finds us blind but now he allows us to see. He finds us dead and brings us to life. See, to hold to the gospel, one must realize the change that it brings because Jesus' priorities for our life are always better than our priorities. Jesus' way to live life is always better than the way we want to live our life. The way Jesus would have us spend our time, spend our money, raise our kids, and make what's important in our life is always better than ours. See, we know this to be true because of verses like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet is without sin in other words jesus has gone through all of the hardships of life and lived perfectly and until we could honestly say we have as well then it's about time that we listen to him and the way he says we should live our life. And so, what I hope we leave this morning in understanding is that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is also the good news of change. Yes, change is, is difficult at times, it's uncomfortable, it can even be scary. But it's because what the gospel brings is always better and always best that we must seek change in our life. Before we jump into God's word, let me pray for us this morning. Father God, as you've brought us into this new year, there may be a lot of regrets. There may be a lot of things that we would quite frankly... The desire to forget in our past father I pray through you that that change would be possible in our life That we would seek after you father this morning as we look at your word I pray that it would penetrate our hearts and be lived out in the way that we live life it's in Jesus name I pray amen if you have your Bibles with you open up to 2nd Corinthians Chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18. Those will also be um, on the screen if you don't have God's word with you this morning. And so as we continue to talk about change, we have to understand the change, the landscape in which change came to be. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 18, I'll be reading the uh, English Standard Version. You can follow along on the screen or... In your own copy of God's word. Starting in verse 12. Since we have such a hope. We're very bold. Not like Moses. Who put a veil over his face. So that the Israelites might not gaze. At the outcome of what was being brought. To an end. But their minds were hardened. For this day when they read the old covenant. The same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is, Moses is read, a veil lies over their, faith, over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In this section of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we see three different things. We see see the old, we see the change that takes place, and we also see the benefit of change. In verses 12 through 14, Paul makes reference to the old covenant. The old covenant was a conditional agreement that God made with the Israelites. In the Old Covenant, the Israelites were required to obey God, to keep the law. In return, God would protect them and bless them. Paul makes reference specifically to Exodus chapter 34, when Moses is returning from the mountain with the tablets in which God's law is written. And as a result of being in the presence of God, Moses' face is glowing and had to be covered, It had to be veiled for the people because of the veil, you could see Moses' face, but in an obscured manner. You might not be able to make it out completely. You could tell that it was him, but it was veiled. What Paul is wanting us to see here is that in the same was true for the old covenant. It was communicated, it communicated the glory of God, but in an obscured way, because it was being veiled. See, then change happens. Verse 14, only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. See, Jesus comes onto the scene and changes the scenario. In the same way that Moses had to wear a veil that obstructed the people's view of his face, The old covenant was also veiled until it could be removed by Christ. Jesus has now provided a clear unveiled path to God. And in himself, Jesus Christ becomes the proactive and unconditional source of one's salvation. So what's the result? Verse 17 continues. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the Spirit is, the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And this is what I hope we take away specifically this morning. That when coming to Christ, change is inevitable, it's unavoidable. Because of the change that salvation brings is not initiated by us, but rather, rather we are the recipients. However, the Spirit gives us the freedom in how much of that change we experience in this life. To better grasp this, we have to understand salvation not from one perspective, but from three In Christian circles, this is what we often refer to as justification, sanctification, and glorification. Three parts of one experience that takes place past, present, and future. Or as I like to say, changed, changing, and will be changed. See, it's important when we talk about how we experience the change of salvation, we do so with these three perspectives in mind. See, it's easy when sharing the gospel to relish in that one's life is changed, having been freed from the penalty of sin. And that one day, one's life will be changed, freed from the presence of sin and being in heaven. But unfortunately, the most difficult, the most uncomfortable, and sometimes scary aspect is that our life in between should be constantly changing from the bondage of sin in our life. I like how verse 18 of 2 Corinthians is paraphrased in saying this. It says, we are having our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and makes us more and more like him as he changes us into his glorious image. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to wait to experience Christ more in my life. But I want want him now, I want my life now to radiate the glory and honor of Christ as he is gradually changing my life to mirror that of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And in one's changing that addictions are broken, that marriages are restored, and that Forgiveness is experienced, and the hope for today is available. But change isn't always easy, is it? Just as it's difficult in maybe changing our physical health, it's also difficult when trying to change our spiritual health as well. As we've already acknowledged, we often approach change in that we, we want what's at the end, we don't always enjoy the process of getting there just as we want weight loss and physical health we don't always like having to change our habits the same is true in being conformed into the image of Christ because guess what there may be something that you have to give up that we have to change and it's not always easy It's not always comfortable, and sometimes it really can be scary. As we're beginning to understand the message of the gospel also as a message of change, we must acknowledge the part that we often don't give much time to. Yes, salvation changed us by freeing us from the penalty of sin. And yes, it will change where you go when you die, but Christ is also actively working and changing us each and every day. And anytime time we face change, whether it be in our walk with Christ or as a New Year's resolution, there are three ways that we typically respond to change. First is an early adapter. See, early adapters don't understand all the ramifications of change but jump in, willing to do whatever it takes to adjust. Early adapters are high on trust, and their faith offsets the risk. They're not naive to the difficulty, but they don't run from it. See, hard sellers, hard sellers, on the other hand, need time to get used to the idea of the change. They need information to help understand why the change is necessary in their life. But once so, they too become an active participant in change. Or we typically can respond also as a resistor. See, a resistor talks about change as a good thing. Maybe even researches it and its implications and possibly even teaches it. Teaches about change and the good things of change. But below the surface, a resistor is hoping that they can force business as usual because they don't want change See, when it comes to our walk with Christ there are some areas that where it's easier to respond as an early adapter and others where we tend to respond as resistor. not in our ability to change but our attitude towards it see when the sin in our life is obvious and it's a change that we want it's easy to respond as an early adapter to jump on board. That's right. Yes, I want that change in my life. In other areas we tend to respond more as a hard seller. All right, I, I, let me get some more information. Why exactly? Let me gain a little bit of a better understanding. In these areas we, we tend to have an ongoing struggle with, don't we? We know we need change, and at times we go through a season of progress. lastly there's if we're all honest with ourselves there's areas in our life where God is probing and God is working to change us yet we respond as a resistor these are the areas that we continually justify our actions and are unwilling to give up And say, no, God, I don't want that in my life. Or even worse, we will justify what we're doing by saying, you know what? I've prayed about it, and I don't think God wants me to do that. When if we're honest with ourselves, it's us that isn't wanting to do it. See, when we respond as a resistor to the change in which Christ is trying to do in our life, We either miss out on a beautiful change or God will break down the wall we've set up and change will hurt more than it should. So regardless of where you are in your response to change, the gospel shows us that we are all in need of change in our life. And While we would all love to be able to respond with Here am I, send me. It's not always the case. But this is when being a member of a church and being an active participant in a small group group becomes so important. Studies have shown that when a person has accountability and consistency in their life towards change their chances of successful change increases astronomically this is why weight loss programs now come with online communities that provide accountability that's why if you want to get in shape you can't just go to the gym when it's convenient or when you don't have anything else going on in your life it has to become a habit in your life And that's why it's so important for believers to consistently gather together as the church and hold one another accountable and experience change together. See, the church is made up of individuals that were all once dead in our sin, but now alive in Christ. See, salvation wasn't just so that we could have life, but that we would experience it to the fullest, to the fullest experience of Christ. So church, let's start off this year together. And as the church, let's share the hope of the gospel. Let's share that change is available and that something better is available than what the world is offering. So my question for you is, is this, what area in your spiritual walk is in need of change? Is it a consistency issue? Is it an issue of accountability? Or maybe it's just a heart issue in your stance towards change. promise that we have in Christ is that when we faithfully come to Him and humble ourselves before the Lord He will do a work in our life beyond our understanding but if we respond as a resistor, at times God says fine this change I have you will never experience but luckily also at times He breaks down those walls that we set up. You want 2017 to be better than 2016? Everybody wanted that. What has to change? Or will you instead live this next year like you did last year and expect something different? Church, I encourage you. encourage you not to resist the change which Christ is lovingly offering and making available to us but he gives us the freedom to respond And so in just a moment after we pray the, Dennis is going to lead us in, in song and a timed response um, I'll be in the front row if you, if you want someone to talk to We other individuals here that would be more than willing um, to counsel you if you need so, or if you just need to come forward and pray and say, God, I hope that this year is different than last year. And God, show me what it is that has to change. Because until you realize what needs to be changed, change will not happen. Let me pray.